well, I always have viewed myself as a cross racer and I've been trying to change that in my own head uh, a little bit, you know, as I've done a lot of cross racing over the years and I've, I've been to, I'm not going to say all the races, but I've been to all the races and I've, I've seen them change and I I've seen myself change in racing. And so I'm trying to change that persona a little bit into more of a professional cyclist and not just a professional ra- uh, cycle cross racer. From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and on this episode, we talk with California based pro cyclist Cody Kaiser. I have been a fan of Cody's for a while now, and it was great to finally get to connect with him and chat a little bit about his career in cycling. Before we get into that conversation with Cody, I'm not sure when you all will be listening to this episode, but as I'm recording it, it's the end of June, beginning of July, and we recently saw here in Michigan two of the most iconic ultra-endurance races that go on here in this state. A few weeks ago, we just saw the Lumberjack 100, which is a 100-mile mountain bike race. Um, on the west side of the state, um, on the uh, Big M Trail Network. And then last week, we saw also the Coast to Coast Gravel Grinder, which starts on the east side of the state and goes all the way to the west side of the state. 200 plus miles of uh, sand and uh, two track and gravel. And also for both of these races, we also saw a ton of rain. And if you're from here, you know what I'm talking about. Both weekends provided some of the most difficult uh, conditions that um, I'm sure all of those who participated uh, weren't incredibly thrilled about. The Lumberjack 100 started raining during the race, and uh, you know what it's like. For single track and rain, it it really becomes difficult. For the coast-to-coast, well, it rained before, it rained during, it rained after. It seemed to not stop raining. Friends, I did not do these races, and I have to be honest, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't (laughs) sign up for them. I, I, I was... Uh, supposed to do coast to coast, but something happened in my schedule and uh, I I pushed it to next year. And leading up to it, I definitely was upset that I couldn't do it and I really wanted to be there. Um, It's been a bucket list race of mine to go split Michigan and do that 200 mile race. But I have to say, honestly, I, I texted Sheldon the day of and I said, man, I am so glad I'm not racing this race, um, but I'll have to. I have to say, from the sidelines, 
from someone that hasn't that did not participate. I am blown away by uh, friends of mine, friends of ours, teammates of ours, and then I'm sure uh, countless listeners of this podcast that towed the line that despite the 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 weather the weather that they knew was going to happen the weather that was happening um that they just you all went for it it it, it was inspiring it, it really was to see uh everyone that went out to lumberjack and then also to coast to coast um some of some of you did both and uh did the 100 mile uh, lumberjack and then turned around the very next weekend and did coast to coast. So I just want to say congratulations to all of you. Um, you sacrificed, uh, yourself and most, mostly your bikes look like it was kind of carnage. Um, and, uh, but guys, well done. The last couple weekends, you really saw how, uh, how tough Michigan riders are. So congratulations to everyone who who attempted it, who started the race, and uh, and, a, and a huge congratulations to all those who were able to to finish. It was it was pretty darn incredible to see. Hopefully, in the next few episodes, we will be able to hear from a few of you about how um, how your own experience was um, firsthand and hear about the stories and the adventures that you had during uh, either lumberjack or coast to coast. Speaking of firsthand experience, I stumbled upon a bit of audio that um, I kind of forgot about that I recorded a few weeks ago um, with friend and Michigan cyclist Mark Krantz. Going way back, Mark Mark took on Unbound and um, had to pull the plug. And so it was post a Thursday night gravel ride. So I asked Mark a little bit about that experience and uh, I know it's been a few weeks since Unbound, but I think it's worth um, I think it's worth it to uh, revisit it and and hear about his Unbound experience. So uh, here's a quick clip with Mark Krantz. So I'm here with Michigan's own Mark Krantz. This is a post Thursday night gravel, and I thought, what a good opportunity! We're drinking some beers. What a good opportunity to Maybe have a couple takeaways from your unbound attempt. Attempt is the attempt. Attempt. So what do you got? What do you you have to? Is this your first unbound attempt? Yeah, this was the first one. Very first one. Uh, Went into it blind. Went into it with really no. I mean, there was fitness, but we haven't really been training. We haven't really been doing anything. We just kind (laughs) of walked right in. This is not the way to do unbound, right? No, no. Drove 13 (laughs) hours to get there. Just kind of showed up. Was like, hey, I'm here. registration i wasn't even really registered i i didn't uh defer well i deferred it but i didn't actually re-register so (laughs) it was interesting right from the start (laughs) did they accept that yeah they did uh it took about an hour to get me in but i sat there it was kind of nice i mean it was nice air conditioning i mean it was 90 the day before too so talk about race day you uh what was your what was your uh, race situation like? Ooh, well, I mean, I couldn't eat anything in the morning, and then... Uh, Why not? I, I really don't know. Like, the night before I had dinner, I felt fine, and then I just woke up, and, it, like, normally I'm fine. There's nothing that really, like... I, I'm not nervous before races or anything. I just couldn't eat. Like, I, I, my stomach was unsettled or something, 
and then four hours in i stopped being able to drink water too <laughs> and i mean i have nutrition i have carburocket in my drink so it's like normally i'm fine if i can at least drink but then i stopped being able to do that and i was just like basically dry heaving every like five seconds trying to hold on uh, so you made it how many miles then uh 93 pretty much on the dot how many uh what was your what was your time like road like riding time at that point i think it was a little over six hours okay and you pulled the plug um you said the gravel was pretty rough too didn't you yeah there was the uh there they have the minimum road maintenance sections there's some pretty gnarly spots i mean i would compare it to like some of what crusher had like the more tame bits of crusher but still the gnarly bits that everyone else would consider i mean it was just pure carnage there's people going everywhere so no no mechanicals though no i flatted the day before though okay twice <laughs> twice actually okay but yeah so no mechanicals but the body didn't really work out i so um, I applaud you for getting there, for attempting it, for getting to the line. Last question, will you go back? Yeah, yeah, I have to. I mean, I have a thing that if I DNF a race, I have to go back and do it, which is why next weekend I'm doing Lumberjack 100, which I DNF back in 2016, which was my first ever DNF, and then Unbounded was my second. So now I got redemption next weekend. <laughs> well, good luck next weekend, and uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks. All right, before we get to the conversation with Cody Kaiser, I just wanted to quickly highlight, um, if you haven't been to the KOM Cycling website in a while, now might be a good chance to. Uh, they have a lot of great products from um, all the things you would need for tubeless setup, um, a lot of indoor cycling stuff. I know it's the middle of summer, but it's never too late to kind of uh, get your your rig together. Um Ton of things, mounts, all in stock. So um, if you haven't been there in a while, I highly suggest you do. And while you're on that site, komcycling.com, you can also pick up some Dirty Chain merch, hats, t-shirts, uh, coffee mug. You can also use for whatever beverage you would like. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, pick yourself up some Dirty Chain merch or some KOM Cycling products and you will be happy you did. Cody Kaiser, I said at the beginning of the episode that I have been a fan of his for a while, and that is certainly true. I, uh, I kind of explained this in the interview, but he had a lot to do with introducing me to um, Michigan Gravel and uh, through his YouTube channel. And um, so it was cool we talk about Michigan uh, racing and Iceman, Bear Roubaix, but also he kind of takes us through his career, um, racing cyclocross in California, racing cyclocross in Europe, and how um, he sees the importance of being a diverse cyclist. A quick conversation, but we covered a ton of territory. Please enjoy Cody Kaiser. You know what? I asked you all sorts of great questions, and I, I forgot to hit record. So, <laughs> so we'll just start here. So, actually, let me yeah. let me just uh, start that ask that question again because I, I yeah. so um, we've established that you're in the bike shop in um, in Sacramento and um, owned by is it owned by you your family? Well, how, how's the? Yeah, I you know I'm, I guess would technically fall into being a part owner of the store, and then you know my my dad is the. Uh, 
one of the original um, founding founding members of the store. Kind of primarily his, um, you know, he's the 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 main the main man here. But cool. it's all as a spinoff of my cycling, and uh, yeah, technically part owner as well. Very cool. Um, and so I, the question that was missed because I didn't hit record was, um, I asked Cody about uh, whether it's interesting to uh, be an athlete, see the sport from the athlete side, and then also from the retail side. And then you were going into a very eloquent answer, and I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, it definitely has changed my. Um, not so much opinion, but my views on things. And, and I see what customers look for in bikes and I see what customers look for in products and how they use them. And I, I even ride with, you know, quite a few of our customers and I see action out on the trail or out on the road and, and uh, kind of there, it's how they use said product or how they look at riding in general. Like, you know, we always go out and train and focus on speed and effort and, you know, everything. And there are guys that just want to go out and ride bikes in the woods and they don't mind hanging out and riding slow, or sometimes they want to sprint for a couple seconds, but you know, it's a matter of how much airtime they get and how much fun they have. It's, you know, their main focus. So it's, it's interesting to see the difference how riders look at riding. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, I, I think a good place to start um, is, is a connection that we might have that you don't know, but I've actually met you and talked to you at one time. Um, I, we're from Michigan, we're in Michigan and years ago, maybe it was 2017, 2018, I saw you at Barry Roubaix and, uh, I had been a little backstory. I'm sorry to bore you, but, um, I had just at that time, I had just moved to Michigan and I signed up for this race, Barry Roubaix. Didn't know much about gravel racing or doing any of that stuff. And I thought there's gotta be some information somewhere. I didn't know anything about it. So I looked up, all I did was search in YouTube, Barry Roubaix and a video of yours popped up and you must've been 2016, 2017 or one of those years that you raced it. And, uh, yep. and then I kind of went on a deep dive looking at some of your videos and like so the cycle cross stuff and on, and all these different things. And I was like, Oh, this guy's kind of cool. Um, and was I, that the frozen year of the, the video, like we raced and it was like the, yes, the, it was an absolutely horrendous year. Of it was, it was there. rainy and, um, oh, yeah. uh, yep. yeah, I, I think that's 16, 17. I don't know the people that, that know they're, they're probably yelling at me right now, but, um, but, that was one uh, of the best races, but one of the worst races. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, then I think the I think in 2018 um, was my first Beirut Bay, and I just happened to see you over there, and I was like, man, I gotta go say hi to that guy or something, because uh, <laughs> um, so there, yeah. there's a connection there, um, and uh, even though you're in I Sac- love that race, even though you're in Sacramento, California, I I love that, and you're primarily. I, my own words, we can, I'll ask you, but like, I think of you more as a cyclocross guy, you come out for these gravel races. Um, but then also you, you'll come out for Iceman. And, and I, I wanted, I, I wanted to ask you about this cause, uh, another, uh, very muddy race. You were there for the 2019 Iceman, which was horrendous. And, um, it was kind of in our area in Michigan. It was pretty famous because Alexi Vermillion won and he's a Michigander and it was a big deal. Um, and there's a, a couple other Michigan guys that were kind of right up there, but just kind yep. of quietly, I didn't hear much about it, but 
dude, you got fifth place that day. <laughs> you yeah. cr- you yeah. absolutely crushed it. <laughs> and yep. and uh, I didn't see like I didn't see much on your Instagram or anything. It's just like you just went out, you did your job, and then you went home. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, my first time racing ice man. And I had always wanted to for a long time. And earlier on in, in, um, in my racing, it was always on a big cross weekend and there was always a two day. And a lot of the guys that I always hung out with at the races, the Wells brothers and, uh, primarily those guys, but a, a few other cross racers, Brian water, um, they would race Iceman and then drive beeline it to wherever they were to then race, you know, the following day oh at the God. cross race. <laughs> yeah. And, or, you know, or the opposite, they'd race on Saturday and drive up there on Sunday or whatever. Um, but they would always make it happen. I always wanted to. And then I finally was able to get up there and race. And yeah, that was an awesome, another hell of, I mean, we had rain, some snow, some sleet. We had everything. Oh. That was a great race. I think your, um, cycle cross experience probably came in handy that day. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of everything and, you know, I tend to like it when everybody else starts complaining about weather too. So it yeah. was good. And I mean, that's kind of a unique, um, not by grace that I think would play to the strength, to my fitness strengths pretty, I'd say probably better than, you know, many other mountain bike races ever could. Okay. So um, yeah, short, fast, kind of wide open, Yeah. high horsepower. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mentioned this and I wanted to ask you, I, I kind of think of you, um, just from what I see in your, and what you, it seems like your, uh, focus has been, I think of you as a cyclocross rider, um, racer. Um, but, uh, I'm curious to know like what you see yourself as, are you see yourself as a pro cyclist or like focus mainly on cyclocross? Like how do you, how do you kind of separate that out in your mind? Well, I always have viewed myself as a cross racer and I've been trying to change that in my own head uh, a little bit, you know, as I've done a lot of cross racing over the years and I've, I've been to, I'm not going to say all the races, but I've been to all the races and I've, I've seen them change and I, I've seen myself change in racing. And so I'm trying to change that persona a little bit into more of a, professional cyclist and not just a professional rate uh, cycle cross racer so yeah I, I still consider myself a pro cross racer or you know a focus on that genre I mean, in the summertime i've raced all disciplines but i'm trying to get out of that just pigeonholing myself stigma but i still am yeah i mean now is the time of the like um multi-disciplined uh, cyclist, right? I mean, especially like at the very top end, you have these cyclocross dudes like Pitcock and Walt Van Art, and you know, like mm-hmm. crushing it mm-hmm. on all these other different, uh, different. So it's kind of a, a, a I'm not going to say a popular thing, but you can see how that plays to people's strengths of having mm-hmm. a, a, a bigger portfolio. Um, hey, did you start out with cyclocross, or how how did that um, how did that kind of go about? Yeah, I started out, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say I started with cross, but early on I got into cross and then quickly found it to be my favorite of all the disciplines. But I, I started out riding mountain bikes okay. primarily. Um, That's pretty typical. And then, yeah, yeah and, and, you know, playing around the woods and having fun and then uh, got into road riding. And then right about the exact same time as I got into road riding, I got into cross as well on my mountain bike. And I quickly started to really enjoy, enjoy cross racing. And then it became a focus for me come you know, 
July, August, September timeframe. And then it just sort of keep kept, you know, kept that train rolling and, and, uh, quickly found myself being, you know, being good at it. And I don't know if it's a product of racing that much and training that much made me good at it, or I was naturally good at it. You know, you sort of could look at it from both sides, but I, I got to be, you know, fairly good at it. And I sort of kept the train rolling. Now, uh, part of my ignorance, uh, when I think of cyclocross, I'm thinking, uh, like new England or upper Northwest or something, you know, like, like, yeah. like bad weather, uh, cold. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think California, what's the, what's the cyclocross scene in California? Like, I mean, was it enough to really kind of get you, you know, started and going? Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's actually quite, quite, uh, large. And, and when I was getting into it, we actually had USGP events in San Francisco. Um, there was a one day, it was, it was two days, just like we used to have the classic USGP. Um, but one day was in Santa Cruz and one day was in San Francisco and Golden Gate Park. Um, and so we had it all out here as well. And when I was in the thick of it, we had, you know, or as a junior, I should say, in the thick of it, I had, you know, four or five different race series to go to Sacramento, San Francisco, two in Santa Cruz, um, you know, a, a pop-up race here or there in like Napa area. So, I mean, we had tons and tons and tons of racing and it definitely has dwindled a little bit, but I still will say that I think NorCal is one of the, um, try to be unbiased about it, but one of the, the you know, best attended strong suit cross series and cross cultures that I think are in the U S for sure. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah. when did you start, uh, racing in Europe then? Uh, my first year as a, uh, a junior, I went to Europe. Okay. So as a 17 year old, I went over, um, and oh, <laughs> race 17. Yeah. Race is 17 year old, 18. And yeah, I've gone every year in small capacity to large capacity pretty much ever since just uh, a couple years as an yeah. elite. Did, I, I'm, I'm a, did you go last year at all? I'm assuming uh, there last was a... year I did not. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So I'm, I, um, I guess it would have been made the world's team in, uh, what would have been 2020, um, when it was in Denmark, um, no, excuse me in 2019. And when it was in Denmark, um, it was the last year I went to Europe and then in 2020, um, I didn't go. And then we picked, we took a really small team to worlds. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, what I hear about when Americans go to Europe, there's a little bit of a culture shock is too easy of a word, but, um, just the seriousness of, of some of those races and how did you fare like in the, in the fields? And was it, did you, did you feed off that? Uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, I'm, I'm losing yeah. where my question is, but <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that going over to Europe and racing in Europe then? Uh, I, I definitely think the culture shock is, is spot on, but I don't know if it's so much culture shock is more just, um, sort of the, the big boundary of not understanding languages. And, you know, yeah. a lot of us that don't, you know, it's not a, a commonly spoken language, you know, so, you know, we're in school and we learn, you know, Spanish or Italian or French, um, and then you go to, you know, learn Dutch and Flemish. It's not, not in our spectrum. So none of us really have any education in that, in that language. So that's probably more of a culture shock, but, sure, yeah. um, I tend to not to pat myself on the back, but say that I fare pretty well in Europe. Um, I, I will say it's not my favorite to go over there and race, but I tend to thrive pretty well under pressure and, and at least can perform well um, in that arena. And I don't get phased by that. Um, you know, there's other guys that can finish better, but uh, I don't know if there would be many that can finish as consistently, 
you know, across the board and good or bad and, and where you start from to where you finish and, you know, the guys who go forward, the guys who go back. So I think I, I tend to fare pretty well in Europe. Very cool. Um, and you, when you started the, the Lang twins, um, team, I guess, um, we talk a little bit about that because I see that, um, you know, the, the popular thing currently, uh, it's been around forever. I'm sure with like mountain bikers and things, but it's like this whole privateer movement, um, especially mm-hmm. in the gravel scene, you see a lot mm-hmm. of people going privateer and I kind of look at what you did earlier as almost like paving that way of creating your own program and uh, mm-hmm. getting your own sponsors and kind of creating your own team, so to speak. Um, do you mm-hmm. see that? Do you see yourself as a privateer or is that word kind of a weird buzzword that you don't really use? Yeah, I, I would say that I'd use it as like, I don't think the term privateer is super um, positive for what you're trying to do. Okay. You know, I started, I... And, and I shouldn't do with you, but like the, what a lot of the racers are trying to do, they're trying to almost kind of belittle the the movement. And I, I really looked at it as I couldn't find a place. And I had at the time I was leaving Cal Giants, um, which is, you know, my long term development team that I was on as a junior in U23, six, six years of racing with them. And um, they had decided they did not want to have an elite team. So I sort of was left trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had some guys who had offered rides teams that had offered me rides and I didn't not necessarily didn't want to go there, but I really, really wanted to stick with the sponsors that I had had on cow giant. And so I sort of said like, what if I made my own team, right? What if I focused on myself and sort of had this, you know, smaller scale approach to it and not such large, you know, production value but still could provide the same sort of face value in racing and in in the racer so i found the sponsors and i was able to stick with specialized in stram and zip um, the main three bike products that i really really wanted to stick with um and still to you know with them to this day which i'm super stoked about and i um, was able to put it together i i never really consider myself a privateer but i do feel like i was one of the first to do the single man race team mm-hmm. so yeah that's, know, that's i i like the low keyness i'm not really uh i'm not a big you know showman i i not into having the i doesn't do anything for me to have the huge production mm-hmm. as long as i can get my job done and, and do it with a lot of you know comfort and confidence then that's all i need I'm sure there are pros and cons to being part of a larger program versus being part of a, a smaller one. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find it difficult? I mean, you probably have to do a lot of the back end work about uh, maintaining sponsor relationships and, um, you know, just making sure like the year to year deals are still happening. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something you, uh, well, is that what do you do that or is it something you enjoy doing? Um, does that make your job as an athlete harder or? Do you think it's better that you're uh, you have a little bit more, to, you have your hand a little bit more, you know, a little bit more control? Sure, yeah, that's a yeah. I mean, to me, I, I look at it as is the same. I look at it in the same angle that we do the, this business, right? And it bike racing is a business, and yeah, it's fun, and yeah, it's you know recreation, but it's it's a business, and if you're your own boss, it's much much easier, and it's more predictable. And, you know, I have more control about what I want to do and who I have to, 
sort of call to and, and, you know, not having a boss can be good. And then I've always looked at it with the sponsor side of things. Like it's easier to keep the ones you have happy than it is to, you know, go out and find new ones all the time. So make sure you get that taken care of and make sure you keep them happy. And it's, it's easy. And, uh, I, I like being my own boss. Sure. There's more to do. Sure. There's more, you know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to sit around and, you know, talk about how many emails they have to answer and all that. And, you know, it is what it is. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I'll happily, you know, talk to folks and answer emails and do my own marketing and do all that to be my own boss, you know, and not have to potentially, you know, get let go the next year, you know, go through your career worried about, you know, the next job, so to say. Yeah. To be released from that stress, I'm sure is, uh, Mm -hmm. is, is great. Um, really interesting about, I don't think I've asked anyone about the privateer thing and, um, I won't go. I won't dig too far why you think it's bad for the <laughs> bad for uh, like a, a, a negative word necessarily. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it is interesting that you don't necessarily see yourself as a privateer, just a smaller team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like that. Um, I mean, it's not a big, I mean, I just look at it as from the side of things. Like when I was growing up, I wasn't ever into motorsports personally, but I followed motorsports a lot and being a privateer basically meant that you were paying for everything and you were, you know, sort of put into a scenario or, or weren't offered the situation yet where it was like a factory support, right? Like in, in, in Supercross, for example. And so you had those factory guys and there are two dudes per team or, you know, a few per team and, they, and then everybody else is a privateer. And I kind of look at my setup is more or less like being a factory supported system. You know, I've got the top end race bikes. I've got all the top end product. I just happen to be a team of one person where I think that privateer term gets to be like, Oh, you're not, you know, you're not there yet type of a scenario. Sure. Yeah. No, I understand how That's, it could, it could uh, reflect maybe a little poorly yeah. or negative. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, I think it's more just like the way that I think of it between my two years, you know, sure. Not so much like how the public would perceive it. Um, so we've kind of established that yes, you're focused on cycle cross. Um, but uh, we've also established that you do a lot of other different races, mountain bike, um, gravel racing with uh, Barry Roubaix. You just recently um, raced in the the Rock Cobbler. Um, <laughs> how I, I'm I'm interested to know how that how that went. I know like some of our some local guys went out there. Um, oh really? Yeah, I think um, a guy we know, Sean Kickbush, he went up. Um, or out, I guess. But um, I'm just curious. Was that a is that a bigger race? Is that um, w- what's the? I saw you did. No, it's you did actually fairly pretty well. small. Really? Yeah, okay. it, yeah. It's actually pretty small. That's why I was curious. Um, yeah, the dude who puts it on, his name's Sam, and he's super good dude. Um, and he used to put on some cross races out here, down in Bakersfield as well. And um, so a couple years ago, he hit me about coming down. I can never usually come down because it was like a couple weeks before cross worlds and so last year 2019 i guess um or early in 2020 i kind of you know finished up cross season early and went down and raced it and it just absolutely kicked my ass oh Um, (laughs) yeah and uh, but at the same time it was like so much fun and it's he's a total cowboy and the event is very wild west and um, it's what, a little bit of everything. In what and, way is it like the, the course or like the, Oh yeah. The course is, I mean, the course is buck wild for sure. I mean, <laughs> like there's some like proper gravel and then like you'd be riding on this section of road, like double track. 
And then you just like make a right hand turn and head across this like washboard tractor graded farm field. You're like, oh, let's just go this way. <laughs> and then you're like beginning across that. And then you're like, oh, you know what? We're going to go up this other hill that's over here. And then you like ride through this cow pasture that there's no trail. You're just like walking up this cow path and you get to the top of the hill. And then there's like a run up. It's like, it's a little bit of everything, uh, but it's so much fun. And, and then afterward, he's got this like great catering and stuff. And so I had to go back for year two this year. Cool. And once again, kicked my butt too, but I'd say it's a pretty small event. I'm so it's cool that people were coming out to it. Well, it may, and maybe why I thought that it was a larger event than it was because I saw that a local Michigan guy went out there and I was like, man, this must be a, like a, a pretty big race or something. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. How, what's the distance then for, for that? Last year was like, uh, I think 90 and this year was like 77. Uh, it's like, you know, 75 to a hundred miles. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. A lot of elevation big okay. yeah so yeah. <laughs> i want to say this year was like you know 8500 for, for the 70 something miles oh, so wow. it's over oh, that i always think of like a thousand a thousand mile or a thousand vert to every 10 miles is usually how i equate a good ride so if you're pushing it over that one to one you know do so you, 77 would be 7700 feet for yeah you. do you see um yourself doing more of these gravel events or is do they kind of get in the way of like specific cyclocross training or cyclocross racing and, and, and such. Uh, I don't think that they get in the way at all. And I think that's something I've said, you know, for like we're talking about earlier, pigeonholing yourself yeah. is that I think the, the way that I've always looked at it is like, Oh man, I'm a cross racer. And one, it gave me kind of a, a reason to get out of maybe having a better result at an event. And then two, you know, a reason to not train and prepare for it so much. And I, I think they only help. And so, yeah, doing a lot more to be better, you know, and also just kind of diversify my racing a little bit. Sure. Um, so what this season, what else are you, are you planning on, uh, planning on participating in? Um, well, things are kind of just barely coming, you know, mm -hmm. back around, but they are coming back around, which is cool. I've got an event next month, the Oregon trail gravel race that I did two summers ago. That, uh, was one of my favorites and five day, 70 ish mile average day gravel event. So like over the five days, like 380 miles, I think. So sta sta uh, stage race, stage race. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Stage race style point to point every single day. Um, they, they take your gear and transfer camp to the next oh, day. Amazing. Yeah. And so kind of like BC bike race style uh -huh. with the, the group camp set up and, uh, it's surround basically, you know, circumnavigates Mount bachelor up in Oregon. So I'll be doing that. Got Belgian waffle ride. I've got some local road events around here. You're doing Belgian, uh, the, the one in California, the original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 The OG, the California the West coast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a couple others I think that are also on open dates for, you know, then later on in the summer. So we'll see if I do some of those too. I kind of only have things planned through, you know, June, July, yeah, mid July. -ish. That's kind of the, the way we've been dealing with everything lately. So um, yeah. Do you, um, you see yourself coming back to Michigan for any reason anytime soon? Yeah. Well, I was looking at, I, I recently saw someone put up a, um, a calendar of their own with Barry Roubaix on there. And I saw it was in October. Um, so I want to see if I can make it up to that one as well. And yeah. if Iceman goes on, um, I love going up to Michigan and racing. Um, I've got a lot of, you know, friends that are up there and, and I think that the racing up there is some of the best all around, you know, fast racing to fun hangout and party ratio of any, um, 
any state in the country. So I love coming up to Michigan to race. So hopefully I will get it back up there soon. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, are there any, uh, like you talk about just like diversifying your, your, your racing and, um, and just your, your riding style or whatever, like as you look ahead, not just this year or whatever, do you have like any crazy goals of like saying, you know, I want like, not necessarily this, but like I would want to win, uh, Leadville 100 or something, you know, like, are there, is there anything like that where you're like someday, man, I want to, I want to really give it, give it a go. Uh, anything like that in your bucket list? You know, I don't actually have a goal that's quite that ambitious um, outside of my wheelhouse. I'm kind of starting to get into the deep end of this pool of the summertime racing. So I don't necessarily have like a, a top tier one. I would really like to, we have normally have lost and found gravel events uh-huh. um, out here, part of the Downeyville series. Uh, and we used to have what they called the Triple Crown. So if I was to pick any of them and because they're close to home and I grew up riding the trails and I would love to win Downeyville and I'd love to win Lost and Found. Okay. Yeah, so their hundred mile gravel race and then their two day mountain bike race. Yeah. Um, and that's not a cross race goal that I have. It's kind of a little longer distance. Sure. It'd probably be the top of my priority. Um, but I mean, it'd be sweet to win like Belgian waffle ride. And, but that's, you know, just more training, more time focusing on that, but yeah. it's not outside of the possibilities for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, very mm-hmm. cool. Have you, um, you heard of the, uh, in Michigan, we have this Alma Grand Prix. Have you ever heard of uh, that? Yeah. The, uh, the guys actually hit me up uh, quite, man, like four or five years ago to come out. And it was the weekend before the season started. And uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I know of it. And um, I'm totally apologizing. I spa- I'm spacing on the, the guy's name that puts it on. Um, uh, J- JB Hancock. But yeah, I've been hit up before to come up. Yeah, JP. Yep. Yeah, yep. JB. Yep. And uh, yeah, I do know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's probably like our most popular like cyclocross scene in Michigan. Um, and then there's a lot of like uh, I don't I don't know what you would call them, kind of underground <laughs> cyclocross things where yeah. people just bring any any bike they have, and it's it's uh, the, the, yeah, there's a, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's going on. So, um, but yeah, yeah, Alma Grand Prix, that's a pretty popular one in the area. So um it seems like it's getting bigger i I see stuff on social media and it seems like it's it's getting some momentum and like attendance sizes and kind of morphing into more than just the local probably mostly from his his legwork and and uh promoting it but it seems like it's you know becoming more more out-of-state people coming into race too yeah definitely it's cool um anything anything else that you want you want to like uh I don't know. Plug is not the right word, but sure. I mean, that's, that's your, um, before we, I mean, we kind of like, it's kind of rapid fire right here, but, um, I, I appreciate yeah, a lot it. Of, like, a lot of, uh, uh, I know I don't necessarily have anything that I'm trying to, you know, plug or anything. Just, I mean, who knows what, um, yeah, who knows what, what's going to be happening in the next little bit based yeah. on what's happened in the last little bit. So, you know, I'm just keeping things, you know, pretty, pretty relaxed and fluid and try to, you know, go along for the ride. Very cool, man. I appreciate this. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, with my favorite thing, uh, right now is like the gravel scene and the Michigan gravel scene. And you never, you never knew it, but you were an introduction for me into the Michigan gravel scene because of, because of your Barry Rube video. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. And, uh, that's awesome. And then thank you for, uh, you know, talking to me right now. This is awesome. 
Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. I've, uh, I've only ever been on one other podcast. So I'm, and I listen to so many podcasts. So now it's kind of like, oh man, I'm expanding my, uh, my, my, my catalog of, of podcasts. I love it. It's why it's awesome. That's, that's too bad. More people need to talk to you. I mean, there's, I, I think that, uh, there's so many different viewpoints and stories in like American cycling that, uh, you know, there, there's so many people to talk to and, and, you know, talk, I mean, like, and, and podcasts are so easy now to, how easy was this? You're at work and you're using your phone to have a conversation with me. I mean, it's like the, the technology makes it so simple that, uh, yep. yeah, might as well do it. I mean, you should have your own podcast. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, fun, I, you know? I wish I, I yeah, for sure. I kind of want to, if I was to invest more, more time back into, it, I'd love to bring the YouTube channel back around. Um, it's just, you know, I've, I've been, um, things on my plate have gotten, gotten tall. And so I, it yeah. definitely has fallen by the wayside. And I know I get a lot of people that still hit me up about bringing back the channel or people who watch like old videos. And I had more, you know, activity on the channel, but through COVID and people learning things or looking for reviews and yep. videos I made like three years ago about, you know, a scram product or a new specialized saddle or oh, yeah, we're yeah. coming to the top of the list again. And I was like, man, people love this. And I, I'd love to bring it back. One day, maybe. It's a lot of work. I mean, I it just, I mean, I'm sure like the editing and all that stuff. I mean, just on the podcast side, it's a lot of work. So you add the video element to it, it's like it's even more. But, um, but yeah, for sure, it was a great conversation. And uh, thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. Oh heck yeah, Trevor! Thanks you. Appreciate it, man. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Mid Pack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline, 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. A huge thank you to Cody Kaiser for joining us on this episode, and thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>